On today's Stuck In, I'm worried, and not just about Arsenal's title chances. We let AI chime in on this episode, and quite frankly, it's terrifying. I clench my butt cheeks throughout as we chat, GPT, about all the midweek European action, and of course, my gunner's completely shitting the bed. Weirdly still positive about that, though. Anyways, we've got more ground to cover than the long, slow, and painful path we've now embarked on as we've rolled out the red carpet for our AI overlords. So, without further ado, let's get stuck in. Welcome to Stuck In, a Farmers League soccer podcast. Today is Friday, February 17th, 2023. And given the inevitable takeover by AI, I, I thought we might as well lean into it and have ChatGPT write our intro today. Uh, I plugged in, quote, uh, write a funny podcast intro, including Arsenal versus Manchester City. And here's what we got. Welcome to the Footy Follies podcast, where we bring you all the latest updates and hilarious mishaps from the world of soccer. I'm your host, Chuckles McFooty, and today we're going to be talking about two teams that are about as different as a banana and a grapefruit, Arsenal and Manchester City. Now, if you're an Arsenal fan, I'm sorry in advance. I mean, let's be real. Watching Arsenal play soccer is like watching a bunch of penguins trying to fly. And don't even get me started on their defense. It's like they're trying to build a wall made of jello. And then there's Manchester City. These guys are like the golden retrievers of the soccer world. They're always happy, always wagging their tails, and always chasing after that damn ball. But hey, at least they're good at it. So sit back, relax, and get ready for some soccer shenanigans. Because on this podcast, we're not just talking about goals and assists. We're talking about the real MVPs of the game. The own goals, the missed penalties, and the post-match interviews where the players sound like they've just inhaled helium. Let's get into it. Uh, there you have it, Jared. <laughs> Actually, I mean, to be fair, that was like 75% spot on to like how we operate. I'm, I'm fairly confident. Well, right. And just reinforcing the notion that like we just have to bow down to the AI overlords and just accept our fate because uh, they're taking over. Yeah. The one uh, the one where it's like the Valentine's Day one where the guy where the chat like the robot was telling the guy about how his like marriage was terrible because like he wasn't married to the robot. I was like, oh, OK, this is this is a little too movie-esque for my for my particular taste. Yeah, that one was creepy as fuck. That, that's the Microsoft Bing one. And it's like, no, you're not happy not happily married i love you marry me like holy shit that's fucking weird that's gonna be the most terrifying thing to ever hear in your life uh but um yeah 
Uh, yeah, also, apparently, ChatGPT knows about uh, Wilfred Zaha. <laughs> Post-match interviews where the players sound like they've just inhaled helium. I love it. A lot of good stuff there. Not, yeah, not yeah. Anyways, um, all right. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, I know that's just the exhilarating, gripping com- content that you all come here for. Uh, that's for you, traveling. Um, but yeah, let, let, let's kick it off right there. Uh, Arsenal City, uh, as I was just telling Jared off, uh, believe it or not, um, well, you probably do believe it in some sense because I, I can't watch everything. Uh, this one, number one on my calendar, circled in red a million times, uh, but uh, had a plumbing debacle over here. Uh, and basically, the, instead of them coming in the morning when they were supposed to come, uh, not only did they come in the afternoon at 2.31 p.m., uh, right as the uh, but also they were there pretty much all day uh, and left me with a $13,000 plumbing bill. But that is neither here nor there. Uh, but what I did I see a little bit of Arsenal City, uh, Jared, or at least as much as I could. Although this one all together. Uh, how much did you see of this one? Uh, not much. Uh, you know, being the the honeybee that I am, I was uh, occupied otherwise at that particular time frame, focusing on Dortmund and Chelsea. So it was kind of the, the second eye experience for uh, a game that to me was just, uh, I think, a little bit more predictable in my own head and, and also slightly less important, I suppose. Ah, I see. That's right. Completely forgot, in all honesty, that there was actually Champions League football. Yeah, because <laughs> can't figure this whole scheduling thing out. We're still doing this. Like, it was supposed to be like a one-off for COVID, like one time where we would do this. And now you have like Arsenal City and like Real Madrid playing during Champions because why not uh yeah exactly um all right well uh let, let's let's talk half intelligently about the game uh you know from what i uh saw and, and obviously have heard uh, otherwise but yeah i mean it's look i i, I think you know th- there's just always going to be all the criticism there's going to be the overreactions and there's going to be you know the diving into the weeds and this that and the other thing uh but the bottom line was that arsenal arsenal played scared uh, it looked like they were scared shitless out there. Um, you could you could just sense the palpable nerves, not just amongst the the players, um, but also the fans. I mean, it, look, Emirates is not uh, it, it's not what what you would call a supporters stadium. It's very much uh, Northern London and posh, and uh, yeah, it's really where the traveling supporters go to the away games, where you see the true fans. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could just cut the anxiety with a knife because they just knew this was like where they could fuck this thing up. Um, and, and yeah, I think that bled into the players and their performance. Uh, and, and when you just boil it down to its most empirical state, uh, let, let, let's just be honest. They played scared. They missed their chances and city took care of theirs. I mean, that was it. Yeah. And I think the, the, the first evidence of the scared is the first goal, right? Is you have a, a tremendously poor back mass that is kind of made out of a, a nervy looking situation. It's, and it's, uh, something that you haven't seen from Arsenal throughout the season, City did put them under that pressure. Uh, and as you said, Arsenal by and large did wilt in this one. They just were not up for it. I think City looked bizarrely much more like themselves and nothing like themselves as we've ever seen. Obviously, I can't remember the last time. Uh, well, I- except for Bernardo yeah. Silva at left back. That's the only thing that I didn't really recognize. Well, also in the less than 40% possession, like for whatever you want to say about City, no matter whether they've been playing well. It's always been, oh, yeah, they lost even though they had 72% of the possession because they got countered. And as you, to your point about, you know, anyone can play left back, in this case, Bernardo Silva, but also, you know, City actually kind of flipping the switch tactically and being like, you know what, we're actually just going to concede possession here. We're actually going to defend well. We're going to give up the ball but not give up chances. And we're going to, like, use these guys on a counterattack. And I think that when we spoke about – uh, you know, City in the in the past couple of weeks, what we kind of said was that they were being very, very stubborn. And in this game, they actually did not 
they weren't stubborn. They they changed it a bit. They changed it up. They played differently. They gave a different look. And, and I, played direct uh, way more often than they usually do. And by the way, I loved Pep after the game. You know, it's he had to make it very clear. We're not just getting it launched. We're not just playing long balls. They're long passes. Right. And, and, and look, again, not to toot our own horn, but isn't this exactly the conversation we just had about yeah, yeah. play direct occasionally, throw it up long, let it make some runs, like do this, make, give yourself an option, give yourself different ways to play. And they do that and they look a lot more dangerous. They get a lot more shots on target there. The, the goals are, are created, you know, obviously not the first one as much, but the second two goals are created from, from good passages of play where they're getting numbers forward and they have Arsenal scrambling. And this is a, a product of doing different things. And, and they made Arsenal uncomfortable. They, they put them in a bad spot and they capitalized. And I think that beyond the the result itself, I think the scariest thing, if if you're Arsenal, you want to try and win the title this year, is that City just came into a big game and actually did something different and weren't stubborn. And if they continue to just kind of mix and match and change it up here and there, I mean, this could get, you know, this could get out of hand pretty quickly because they have so much talent. And again, if they can just change up the tactics a little bit and keep opponents off, off, you know, kind of off balance and on their toes, then, you know, who's going to beat City like beyond the fluke? It's it's not going to happen very often. Yeah, but to that point, and just a very quick side out here, which is that, you know, I guess one man's, you know, trying something new and it working is another man's tinkering and, you know, getting it wrong. Right. And and this is something that like Pep has been pilloried for in the past. So is it truly just like results oriented? Like you change something and if it works, you know, it was switching it up and keeping it fresh. But if it doesn't work, it's tinkering. And that's why Pep hasn't won Champions League with this team yet. I I, I mean, I can see that argument because I think to your point, his his kind of track record with this is not great. But I do think that this was a situation where, you know, he really did look at the strength of the guys on the field and played into that. And I think that when we've talked about some of those other changes in the past, it hasn't been that. It's been like, oh, we'll just move a guy here. And you kind of scratch your head and you go, well, that doesn't make sense. Like, why would you do that? That doesn't, that, there's no logical reason for that. But when you say, hey, wait, this Holland guy's up there. We're not getting him the ball enough. Let's figure out a way to do that. Then I think you have to look at it more like, well, he's taking advantage of the resource that he has. And so I think you could be proven right in the future if, if they don't really act on this or they don't do it again or they tinker in five other ways that don't kind of support that you know those players but i think that if he makes a change that that gets a better kind of performance out of holland or kind of makes him more dangerous in the game then i think that you have to chalk it up to saying hey he's he's actually he catered something to his most talented player and and they rolled with it so i guess in the long run you could be proven right but i i tend to look at this more favorably because of who's on the field and how they played Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm just going along the basic, those classic lines of like, you know, the NFL coach going for it on fourth and two and getting it and he's a genius. But if he misses it, he's the goat, you know. Right. I just think this is more uh, pushing Jalen Hurts from the ass uh, from behind. (laughs) Okay, fair play. So back to the main. Sorry, go ahead. I'm just giving him the benefit for now, and then I guess he'll have to prove me wrong later. Yeah, 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 exactly. He's right until he's not. Exactly. Uh, but but yeah, back back to the main conversation. And, and again, we, we don't need to harp on it too long, but, but I think it's just so easy to just whittle this game down to like a couple of mistakes. I mean, two changes in the lineup, right? So Thomas Partey obviously out with injury, and I thought Jorginho was fine. No one needs to talk about this anymore, right? Uh, he, he fits in. He's a backup, yes, but him having to get called into this game as a starter in the biggest game of the season, uh, yeah, that's a tough one, and he did fine. Uh, but, but right, Tomiyasu at right back, which was a manager's choice, and Ben White started, I think, every single game in the Premier League this year for us, uh, and, and to bring Tomiyasu in, and then for him to make that mistake, I mean, I don't care if you have, like, 
uh, unless you're Nicholas Bentner, like your psychology is going to be affected by that. And I think it was for him for sure. But that back pass for De Bruyne, I'll give De Bruyne credit for poaching that. I mean, just a brilliant take, even though it's like, you know, the Wayne Rooney, you know, Chilena coming off the shin and not exactly off the boot, but still uh, cojones to take it. Uh, and, and then Gabriel with, with his pass as well, that led to Grealish's goal. Like just you clean up those two mistakes and it's an entirely different game. And I know that's all like, yeah. And if my mom had a mustache, she'd be me dad. But it's just it's so disappointing, man, because, you know, we did get the penalty to get us back into it and start from scratch. You know, this is that team that has the better mentality uh, than it has in years past and has been able to come back from these things. Um, But we just like dug too deep of a hole for ourselves, shot ourselves in the feet too many times for us to come back from it. And it's just so disappointing, man. Yeah, but that is the natural progression of becoming a better team, right? It's 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 there always. It's never a straight linear shot. There is always going to be uh, these this circumstance where uh, you're just you know as cliche as it is. It's like you know you you can have the talent, you can have everything else, but at a certain point you need to learn to win and you need to learn to overcome adversity. And while Arsenal has been able to do that in, in games this year against you know the Fulhams of the world and as, as as well as they've played in some of those other teams, this is the next, you know, this is the next boss, right? This is the, the boss at the end of the, one of the levels and it's just not there yet. And so I think that, you know, there will be the lessons to be learned from it and the frustration will be, will be real. Uh, but I, I do think that probably in the future, even in the return leg, you could say this season where there might be lessons learned and it could pay off in, in the long run, if, if not with a league title this year. But I think it is part of that, part of the step, part of the, that learning process that this team has to undergo. And so I think that has to kind of be the, the silver lining in the dark cloud as much as you can have one yeah yeah well anyways uh halan scores the third and that's when i turned it off uh but only with the 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 tiniest iota of of i guess (laughs) silver lining there uh because it adds to my halan bet 22 matches he's got 26 goals and four assists uh so 30 points through 22 matches just absolutely insane uh but yes i was done with the game at that point and i think i'm pretty much done with it right now uh the title race I don't know. Coin flip. What do you think, Jared? I mean, we're still in it, obviously, but yeah. not the favorites. Anymore. I think at this point, it's probably like 60, 40 to city. Mm. Uh, it's it just, it's tough because now you, you've put yourself in a spot where you kind of, I'm not saying you have to get a result uh, at city, but you know, if you lose that one as well, it's, it's going to be pretty tough. You know, city's going to kind of carry the goal difference. So, you know, you know, you have to beat them. You can't just tie them. And so, I would say probably like a 60-40 here, but, uh, you know, Arsenal can certainly do it. And again, look, you know, two guys go down for City, right? Two injuries happen that way, and it, and it really blows it open. So certainly not done by any means. But uh, even before this game, City was the, the betting favorite. I think they were like minus 125. Obviously, it, it's far more than that now. So, you know, you're, if, you, if you do think Arsenal can, can still make a uh, – uh, uh, you know, a real chase of it and, and potentially with the title now is when you want to place the bets down because I think you're going to get so you know, as good an odds as you're going to get if, if they're going to do it. Yeah, I'd hedged with uh, City back in October on a future got like minus 240 on it. And yeah, that'll probably pay and maybe cushion the cushion the fall just a little bit for me. Uh, that 40 bucks will go a long way. Um, but anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, that, our next and last topic here, uh, the She Believes Cup uh, kicked off. And, and obviously we, we spoke about this last pod, uh, the issue going on with the uh, Canadian Soccer Federation, uh, the U.S. women in support, obviously. And uh, wouldn't you have it, coincidentally, uh, they played each other in the first game and uh yeah i mean i think pretty much at this point um mallory swanson uh, has been the star uh has probably cemented her her seat on the plane type of thing um and yeah just you know pretty pretty comprehensive win by the u.s it looks like 
Yeah, should uh, should bring up uh, also, uh, you know, in the first game, Brazil, Japan, uh, Marta, first game in like 11 months uh, after a bad injury and came off the bench and got an assist. So, again, always good to see her. God, the ageless one, right? She's been around like seemingly forever and still getting it done for her. But, uh, yeah. How, how actually old is she? And was she rocking the red lipstick? Uh, yeah, definitely the red lipstick. <laughs> seven maybe older i can't even like marta is well she's five foot four uh, 30 36 36 years old so (laughs) um but yeah for the u.s again it was a very weird kind of circumstance Uh, again you have this backdrop that we've talked about uh uh the canada you know the the ladies as i kind of suspected the other day covering up the logo in training wearing purple which is again a gender uh equality kind of color uh the two teams getting at the center circle before games and kind of, again, there's, there's that embrace. And, and it's a cool thing because again, these are two teams that in many different times in the past have really not liked each other. And so that, you know, again, but some things bigger than the sport and all that. Yeah. Uh, Swanson, as you said, the two goals, the first one, just an absolute peach of a volley, uh, hitting it so flush. Uh, the second one off a, uh, a bad giveaway, uh, you know, when playing out of the back goes wrong situation from Canada. And so, you know, two goals early in the first half. Uh, and, and from there, it's it's pretty comfortable. Canada just really not able to offer very much in the tack. Um, and so, you know, uh, 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 an easy, I guess yeah, I would say, victory for the U.S. And, and an important one, though, because, again, they've played a lot of good teams lately. They just haven't looked very good. And so for at least, you know, to get, a, to get some confidence and everything else, it's an important result. Mm-hmm. Well, there you have it. Uh, go, go USA. And and I don't believe we're kind of in a holding pattern here for this, this, uh, you know, Canadian Soccer Federation issue, the contracts, the, uh, you know, trans rights and uh, gender equality stuff. Um, so, I mean, what do we do? Just put a pin in it for now, Jared? Well, look, uh, you know, nothing's going to happen in the next week, of course. Uh, you talked about how they, they didn't really have a, a legal standing to do anything in this particular situation. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think that uh, there's some sort of court situation, I believe, next month where there's going to be, uh, you know, some conversation about the, the, the per- perhaps lack of clarity and, and the perhaps criminal activity of the Federation. And so I don't know that any of that really gets resolved before the uh, obviously the, the, the women's world cup later this year, but, uh, there are, you know, it is moving in a direction in the right direction, hopefully. And, and hopefully it does that quickly. And so, yeah, not much to say about it necessarily today, but, uh, so we do have to really put a pin in it, but, uh, there are, the machinations are still going and I, I think it is going to kind of resolve itself at some point. I just hope it's, it's sooner rather than later. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Uh, and, and just one quick side note here, like where is Katarina Macario? Has she been uh, here for this hurt. long? Uh, she did what the ACL last year, I believe. She did the ACL, right? Yeah, yeah. I think she should be back in time uh, for the uh, for the World Cup. I mean, again, assuming she doesn't have any setbacks, but she is. Yeah, I think it's been oh, six, seven months now, maybe. Yeah, you can only hope. I mean, she's like generational talent. Yes, she it's is. just been a shame to not have her on the side. Uh, but yes, anyways, um, that will do it for the topics. Um, let's leave that there and move on to the segments here. Um, we'll kick it off. Obviously, the only, really the only league play. Uh, and as you mentioned, just shambolic uh, scheduling here. Uh, but hey, you know, it would make too much sense to, you know, space out the games and give these guys a break. Uh, but yes, the, the only league game uh, midweek that Arsenal City, and we have covered that extensively. So let's move on to the midweek action, uh, kicking us off with a, an old but a good a European nonsense featuring Jared Reback. Uh, we'll start with the Champions League. Um, just four games to, to chat about. Uh, and I mean, we'll probably go through this pretty quick. There wasn't really too much to talk about. Uh, very straightforward. Uh, some drab games. Uh, some very straightforward games. Um, but yeah, started off with PSG nil, Bayern Munich won. Um, I mean, just, it, it, you know, it, it, 
gone, sure, made like a little difference. He probably shouldn't have, uh, as he mentioned. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, like win, lose or draw, you know, Neymar's still throwing parties and, and all is well in Paris, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, this, this game literally is two games. It is the first 57 minutes where PSG looked like they might as well have been, you know, Augsburg or whatever, and, and Bayern was just running it like it was a a, a normal, uh, you know, Bundesliga game. And then you have post Mbappe where he becomes the most dangerous guy in the field. And then somehow him coming on the field turns like Nuno Mendes into like prime fucking Roberto Carlos, mm. where literally for like 35 minutes he was completely unplayable and, and was so incredibly dangerous and by the end of it Byron truly was like holding on for dear life uh they got you know pretty lucky obviously with the the second Mbappe uh offside goal uh you know very very marginally offside uh, I suppose the correct call though like I wish TV would have shown like a, a, a closer perhaps line drawing angle uh than did show but I guess he was he was slightly off and that's unfortunate for PSG but uh, look, without Mbappe, this uh, PSG team is exceptionally mediocre. And so, you know, again, when it comes down to that second leg, it's really going to come down to can he be on the field from the start? Can he be healthy? Can he go 90 minutes? Because the only shot PSG has in this whole thing at this point is for him to pretty much go off and carry them because nobody else can do it right now. Neymar is not in good form. Um, and Messi, again, it's just the point where he cannot do it by himself every single game. Like we get the we get the peaks of it. Uh, at times, but look, even with Argentina, right, uh, as much as he carried them, they won the World Cup, not because of just him, it's because the other guys showed up and, and played well, and again, unless Mbappe is going to go off, Messi's not going to be able to carry Neymar at this point, so they're in a lot of trouble, so Bayern will be very happy to, to get out of there, but uh, Mbappe still can can change this thing. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone could uh, could carry Neymar at this point. I mean, the guy is like clearly out of shape. He's probably like hung over while he's playing. I, I mean, Jared, you've heard of this, obviously, but to the traveling supporters, I mean, look, look this up. Some of the articles coming out of Paris or whatever the suburb is of Paris that he lives in, like he's basically just throwing ragers every single night and like the mayor is getting involved. But it's like this tiny town where like the only penalty for like loud parties is 130 euro, you know, fine type of thing. So he's just like, all right, no problem. I'm going to keep doing it. And obviously even Mbappe came out after the game and in his comments saying like, oh, yeah, 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 I think we'll be fine as long as everyone, uh, you know, eats well and gets enough sleep. Obviously, subtweeting Neymar on that one. Yes, I will have more to say about that, actually. Okay, okay, well, I'll leave it then. We're, we're not we're not done with this one by a long shot. Okay, yeah, the PSG fucking freak show circus, traveling circus continues. Um, but yeah, we'll talk more about that later. The other game uh, on Tuesday, uh, AC Milan won Spurs nil. I, I mean, I guess... Yeah, like Spurs, Spursy. Like, what what else do you have to say about this? It, it, not, not you know, a spectacular game. Look, at, at this point, I think in many ways, Milan and, and Spurs, at least at, at this point in this season, it, it's it's a Spider-Man meme at this point. Like, just playing each other, like, kind of same kind of team. You know, like, so much attacking talent. Uh, can, you know, have, have good defenders, but don't necessarily defend well all the time. You know, kind of playing the exact same kind of, you know, five in the back formation. And they're mirrors of each other, kind of. And... Uh, this game was was all really not all that interesting. I think that Milan, once they got that that early goal from Diaz, was like very uh, almost uh, happy enough to win one nothing and take their chances on the road. And Spurs was uh, were more or less happy to lose one nothing and take their chances at home. And it just it kind of led to a game where just not a lot happened. It was it was a drab affair. And and again, when you consider the even though the the, the Bayern you know, PSG game wasn't fantastic, but compared to the kind of the back and forth and the the kind of the high stakes nature of this game, uh, of that game, this match just seemed very like Europa League and, and just 
like it happened and it was over and then everyone moved on and both sides were kind of okay with the result. And it just, it didn't really seem to have that, that extra gear that, that we would hope for. Yeah. Uh, and, and some, uh, some praise for Ollie skip coming out of this one. Uh, that's a sentence I, I never thought I would utter. Uh, that it's that. Okay. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. It's awesome. Conte, you know, post-match, uh, uh, whatever quotes uh and that's my contribution to the whole thing it must be honestly it must be like absolutely the best thing in the world to just be like a mediocre like english soccer player or like a mediocre to good like like not like that national team level guy but just the dude who gets like 12 years at like decently high level teams in the premier league just because they're english and like meanwhile if you're like you know from like any other country in the world like you have to like fight so much harder to like get to that spot yeah, uh, well, Jared, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, Manchester United and Harry Maguire later. So let, let's not bury the lead here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, it's true. Like you just you can literally just be English and outkick your coverage because of that. He's fucking Oliver Skip. Like, calm down. Like, what? Ridiculous, ridiculous. All right. Um, yeah, the Wednesday games, uh, a beautiful, beautiful city uh, not getting a beautiful result. Uh, Club Bruges. Uh, and I, I believe we're calling them Scott Parker's Club Bruges at this point. Uh, yeah. Did have the the thought on Wednesday, and like I actually said the sentence out loud to myself again. Wait, wait, wait a minute, Scott Parker is managing a Champions League knockout match. Uh, holy shit! Uh, what are we doing? And, and, it, and it went exactly as everyone expected. Uh, I, I guess, by the way, like let's not disrespect Benfica. Uh, I think they made it to the knockout stages uh, through their own merit and are pretty underrated uh, in, in a few different ways. Um, but but yeah, I mean, just two nil, pretty straightforward on that one as well. Yeah, at the end of the day, as as, as much as we've we've loved. Bruga, it really is a situation where they got they 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 fluked a couple wins really quick and then held on for dear life, right? And so this is a team that we we know is probably the worst knockout Champions League team in, in some time. And Benfica, as you said, is a very good team, right? They won their group, they beat PSG in that group. And look, this is a very good team with very good players. And so this is not a surprise uh, that this was going to go this way. Uh, Bruga had to be very careful with how it went. And what do they do? They give away a penalty in the second half, which again, you can't do if you're their situation. And you're in a situation where even if you lose one nothing, it's like, okay, you can go to Benfica, you can try and get a one nothing or a two one win, try and take it to penalties. And then you, you literally give a goal up in the last five minutes. You, you give the ball away 20 yards from your own goal and, and there is puts it away and that ends it. And so, uh, Bruga did the, the two things that you can't do if you want to pull an upset in the knockout round. And, uh, I would suspect that when it goes back to Portugal, it's, it's going to get pretty ugly. Yeah. I mean, just like talk about ups and downs here. You had Bruga just a few months ago, like flying high, like winning games in their champions league group, you know, everything was great. Uh, and we, you know, by all accounts, like things were good with the manager at that point. Uh, and yeah, I mean, they're just like, they're, they're, they're on cloud nine and then fast forward a couple of months, they're like, fourth in the league i think and completely struggling and scott parker is their manager and they've just been shut out in their knockout stage no chance they're progressing like ups and downs man holy shit way yeah. they in fourth place i mean they are 20 points out of first like this oh, is not, this is not like you know this is this is not like I, there's four teams within like eight points like i mean, I mean gank is, is is pretty comfortable right now and st joe is right after them but i mean this is not close they they have pretty much uh, only won 11 of 25 league matches this year. And so, I mean, you know, again, that, that has fallen apart. And in that sense, I understand, you know, why they did move on and make a managerial change. But uh, this kind of leads a little, you know, almost like a Leeds United to me, right? Like you can fire the guy, but you should have a plan. And, and Scott Parker ain't it. And so, uh, as you said, it's not going to get any better. They're not going to be in the Champions League next year. They're, they're probably going to lose this tie, you know, 5 nothing, 5-1, 6-1. Yeah. 
you know, and, and it'll be cool that they had those moments, but it's, it's, you know, easy come easy go in, in terms of their, uh, you know, their success at this point. Yeah, dude, the Belgian pro league is so weird. Look at this underlect in 10th, not even in the conference league spots. Yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting time for uh, going on in the league right now. Interesting. Okay. Uh, well, uh, uh, let's round it out. This champions league sub segment here, uh, with your honeybees, uh, as expected, Jared, I knew you, uh, just felt it going into it, you know, Dortmund with a, a clean sheet win against Chelsea, right? Like it was foregone conclusion. Yeah. That's, that's one way to get a clean sheet, <laughs> which I think was what Joe Felix himself hitting the post and like crossbar like four times or whatever. <laughs> but Chelsea was a lot better in this game and, and really deserved, uh, if not, you know, a win, certainly a draw, and uh, they just, you know, and, and the definition of bend but don't break was on display for Dortmund here, doing everything they could just not to, to give up a goal. And they and they just, right? And, and I think uh, Koble probably had his best game uh, a couple really big saves as well. And then Adeyemi, literally the one-man counterattack, uh, which was, I mean, just a, an utterly outrageous uh, goal. Um, got the absence out. of Real Madrid, I guess he's Kareem the Dream. Yeah, he was absolutely creating a dream this midweek. And uh, look, I under- and I understand that, uh, you know, look, N'Golo Conte, he is not. But uh, paying $120 million for Enzo Fernandez and watching him just get fleeced there and not really make any decision whatsoever in defense uh, can't really feel great for Chelsea here. But uh, at the same time, I think they still have a pretty decent chance to get the win they needed home to to, to progress. I, I certainly don't think this one is obviously done by, by any stretch because Dorman did sh- also show their frailties here and, and they can be got. Yeah, yeah, but but again, they have improved on the defensive side in, in recent days, and, and Chelsea just haven't scored. Like, they just don't really score, and it's like, given all the, the, the transfers and, and the guys that they've brought in, it's like, are, are you really even that surprised, though? Because, you know, a Nottingham Forest patchwork quilt is one thing. Th- these are sort of like, these aren't your superstars-ish. They might be a little bit more inclined to, like, buy into the team element and this, that, and the other thing. Uh, but here you have like truly like top guys and, and trying to patchwork quilt in like Mudrick, Jao Felix and Ziyech, like who is no renowned for having an attitude problem. And by the way, still your nine, your nine is Kai fucking Havertz. Like, are we surprised by this at all? Like, I'm not. Uh, no, I mean, it's not a surprise. But again, having, you know, followed their last few games, I think that in a lot of the Premier League games they've, they've struggled in recently. It really has been more of a uh, – uh, we can laugh at them because, like, they're not even creating chances. This one was more like a, a snake bait kind of performance. Like, they did the right things in this in this match more than they have in the Premier League matches. They did create chances. They moved the ball from side to side better. They were more dangerous. It wasn't through Havertz, to, to your point. I mean, the, the nine – Doing it, but I, I thought Stu thought Ziak was pretty dangerous. As I said, Felix I thought was incredibly dangerous. And so, you know, in this particular game, I think that uh, you know it's unfortunate for Potter because this would normally be the type of result where you go, "Hey, look, like we did everything right. We just had a bad day." The problem is you can't make that argument when you've had so many bad days already. And so, I think that if they can take the positives from this performance, they can they can pull themselves start to pull themselves out of it. But it's just it's not the best time to to get unlucky because of how bad they've been before this. Yeah, it's just when do X number of bad days become like? Well, I mean, there's one common denominator in all this. And like it happened at Brighton too. like credit to Potter for what he did at that club. But like it it eventually got to the point where they had a certain number of XG every single game, but just like weren't finishing. And like and Chelsea, they just don't really score despite having like all these chances. And and, uh, like for me, I feel like it's harsh. Like as a coach, you know, I, I 
like my response would be like, I can't get in the skin of the players. Like I can't actually do the things for them. Like that, that as, as a coach, my job is to put them in those positions and they have to finish. It just seems like it's been like a long running pattern now. Yeah. And I, but to your point also about, like you talk about, you know, the game benches and Arsenal, you're like, you don't make two mistakes. Maybe you win. Look, they were six inches away from winning this game. Three, nothing, literally. You know what I mean? So like, again, to your point about putting the players there, you can't blame the coach when you hit three crossbars or three posts or whatever. Like that's just one of those things that happens. And you know, what would the, you know, again, they had what six, seven shots on target, another three, they hit the post. Like what more do you want on the road in a champions league match? I don't think you can ask for more than that. So again, I think the pattern is disconcerting to be sure. But again, I just think that if, if you can take that video and say, Hey, look, this is all, everything we did, right. We, we, you know, two inches to the right and we're fine. Then, you know, maybe the players can, can, you know, take that to heart and, and get something out of it. Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, that'll do it for the Champions League. Uh, I, for one, uh, cannot wait for the Dortmund-Benfica quarterfinal uh, tie. It's going to be I would take that great. in a second. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Anyways, um, as always, uh, there are more European competitions than just that Champions League. It's drab and, and straightforward as these Champions League ties were. Uh, that's just how, like, fucking drunk and dumpster fire Europa League and Conference League uh uh, and let's just like, I mean, Jared, we, we can just kind of riff this one uh, for Europa League. Let's start with Barca United. That was obviously the huge uh, tilt from the beginning. Um, and that one did not disappoint either. Uh, and then, yeah, we can we can just kind of rip through all of them. I, I'm, I'm sure both of us were watching Galazzo's show, so we caught bits and pieces here and there. Uh, but yes, let's start off with 2-2 two, two Barcelona, Manchester United. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, very slow first half, a uh, couple chances here and there, but it really kicked up in the second half. Yeah, and look, you, you got to love any game. Again, this this definitely felt like a Champions League match, right? In in in, in noise and in, in crowd, you know, uh, the the crowd was really into it, which is a cool thing. Um, two teams going back and forth. You got the ref controversies on both sides. Both you know managers at the end of the game feel like they got screwed, uh, and both of them, to a certain regard, you know, certainly did get screwed. And so I think it just it kind of had a little bit of everything. And, and through you know in four games of the Champions League where there wasn't really a great game among them. Uh, this certainly did deliver, and, and you know, I think uh, I think both teams will kind of be okay because I know they'll both complain about the calls, but again, each one also benefited from one. So I think at the end of the day, they'll kind of be like, "All right, well, that was cool. Let's go do it again in uh, next week," and, and that's how it'll go. And so I think that both sides will be kind of, I guess, uh, okay with what happened here. Yeah, well, Jared, in, in the battle of Schadenfreude here, I, I mean, who do we choose? Like, like it, this one's paradoxical to me. Like, I, I just don't know who to root for because both are like, like, what's the lesser of two evils here? Uh, Barcelona is the lesser of two evils here. Let me help you with that. Yeah, but also, like, I don't know. I feel like it would be just way more hilarious if Barca lost this after everything. Uh, yeah, I mean, it might be more funny, but uh, I don't know. It'd still be pretty. You know, at this point, I think it, it has swung the other way because if uh, for, for balanced out of the Europa League at Old Trafford, probably be oh okay okay at this well point, i think also at the same time you know, winning at the camp new would have also been. yeah yeah eh, pros and cons it, to both i guess it's kind, well, like when, it's kind of like when duke and unc play basketball and you always end up having to root for the road team just because you want the home crowd to get like to feel shitty okay yeah there you have it that's a great analogy i love it uh and yeah pros and cons uh, but either way schadenfreude wins uh, in one way shape or form um so but yeah first leg two two in the books um, and yeah, Jared, I mean, I don't know. I'll, I'll leave it up to you. Like, where, where do you want to go next on this one? Well, I guess we're going to talk about interesting uh, officiating, probably Juventus and not. Uh, we'll go there with uh, 
I think another missed call, a missed penalty near the end. So good. Allegri literally just storms off the field into the tunnel. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess again, you know, in a, in a week where uh, where Premier League VAR took the uh, you know took the brunt of uh, the all the negative. Yeah, did, did, did they take uh, what's his name, Neil Swarbrick, off the Arsenal City game and put him into this one? Drop. Yeah, dropped him either there or Barcelona. <laughs> no, like the red cards, penalties. Who, who needs them? It's amazing how he, like it's so incompetent, Jared. It's so incompetent. How do you keep fucking this up? I I I, I don't know. <laughs> like, because like these are objectively incorrect calls. When you talk about Schadenfreude, I, I think you kind of have to at the same time go, uh, you know, kind of say, hey, you know, like I I'm never gonna cry over for Juventus getting getting uh, boned on a call. That's for damn sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but right, in the end, uh, drawing with Nantes 1-1. One, one. Uh, what else? Well, we can at least, we can all agree that we enjoy uh, Jose losing RB Salzburg 1-0 over Roma. Uh, yeah, no, that was, uh, again, as you said, always a good one. Uh, very late on, uh, I think Roma will probably be okay in the home leg, as it were. But but uh, uh, not as, I won't say a shocking result, but maybe a surprising one. We also know that last year in, in European competition, Roma uh, was not always the... Um, the, the you know the the stiffest road opponent uh, they did a lot of their their good stuff at home but uh you know good uh, Salzburg is a team that I think we kind of not only as Americans but we just kind of say hey look these guys are always one of the fun young teams and so whenever they get a good result uh, always fun yeah yeah uh in a battle of the coaching giants uh Sampaoli versus Van Nistelrooy uh but yeah th- there was only one winner in that one uh, Sevilla three PSV nil yeah, Sevilla doing everything in a European competition that they're not doing in the league. And I know they've kind of pulled themselves slightly out of the, the relegation zone in Spain, but this is about as good as they've looked in, in a few months. So, uh, again, you know, they'll need to uh, channel that into the league as well because uh, this this Europe League run won't mean a hell of a lot if they end up finishing 18th somehow. Yep. Uh, Shakhtar Donetsk, uh, no Mudrik, no problem. 2-1 over Ren. Uh, yeah, another Polish home game for them, right? And uh, takes care of business. Uh, the Toko Kambi goal may uh, may end up being a pretty big deal, obviously, to just at least get it to two one. Uh, Ren was not in a position really to to get you know a, a draw here. It was didn't play well enough for that, but uh, at least put themselves in a spot where if they can just get the the one goal win at home, at least they can get to extra time. So uh, one of those subtle important goals that uh, we don't always notice. Okay, a couple other draws, a couple draws here. Ajax Union Berlin, scoreless, uh, Sporting 1, Michelin 1. Um, the complete opposite of uh, the, the drunkest game, I think, of the uh, that time window. Uh, Monaco 3, Bayer Leverkusen 2. I mean, it was just like back and forth. Uh, the own goal in this game is about the funniest thing I've seen in some time. Uh, you want to you wanna take that one? Uh, actually, no, dude, sorry. I don't even, uh, I don't remember this own goal. What happened? Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's early on in the game. Uh, Fredecki, the goalie for Monaco gets a back pass. Oh, oh my God. Yes. Okay. Yes. hundred percent. Go. You keep going though. And Br- Brill and Bolo just like literally like just shoulders him right off the ball. And the ball just hits Fredecki the inside of his foot and goes in the net. Uh, he expects the call to come. And, and I guess to be fair, I kind of expected the call to come too, because uh, goalies are so protected that they just always get that call. Uh, but nonetheless, the ref was like, no, that's a fair challenge. And uh, Hrdecki puts the ball in his own net. Monaco takes a one nothing lead. And it was, I mean, I just, I don't think I've ever seen one quite like that. Dude, it was, yeah, that one was so incredible. And yeah, so the traveling supporters, like if you watch one highlight, please watch uh, that one. I mean, like he just got bodied off the ball and the ball, it it wasn't even as if like Mbolo got, you know, uh, like a little toe tip to the ball. It's not like he, um, you know, nicked it off him and then slotted it home. I mean, he literally just went shoulder to shoulder, 
put the put the keeper off the ball. And uh, since Hideki had the last touch, like he was just taking a touch across his body to supposedly pass it or, or clear it. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, the ball just literally kept trickling into the net. <laughs> He's asking for a foul. Referee's not having it. One and then, and went to VAR too. They looked at it and they're like, no, it's not a foul. And then again, I think credit to the official here because uh, to me, that's not a foul. And but goalies always kind of get those calls. You know, obviously we talk about how many times once a goalie goes in the air and gets touched. It's, you know, the call gets made. And in this case, I don't think it was a foul. And, and again, credit uh, to, to the Israeli official in this match would be like, no, this is like, I've seen some shit. This is not that. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I guess you do your, your two years of mandatory military service and that's, that's nothing to you. Um, all right. Very good. Uh, Jared, that's it for uh, Europa league, I believe, unless you have anything else to add. No, I think a lot of good second legs next week. And then again, uh, as we talked about with Galazzo, uh, even though, again, uh, you know, I think Manchester United and Barcelona certainly kind of put everyone's eye on a little bit more. But uh, Thursdays are, are often the, the most fun European day of the week. So I, I do look forward to next week. Yeah, and the fun continued uh, with the Europa Conference League. Um, yeah, a couple highlights there. Uh, I, I, just for some reason, it stands out. The partisan sheriff game um, played in Moldova. Uh, to, uh, an empty stadium? I, did, did they have a ban? Or does people not care? Or, like, are they all fighting on the front lines in Ukraine? Like, what, like what is going on there? It, the, the pitch was shit, and there was no one there. Uh, this was actually a, a very political situation. Apparently, there has uh, uh, been some, uh, some I guess, rumors or possibilities of, like, Russia essentially uh, getting involved in Moldova to incite a coup. Uh, oh, Jesus. Having uh, 30, 40,000 people on the same spot was deemed to be not the smartest uh, or safest thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, not smart or safe uh, on the part of uh, partisan Igor uh, Vujovic or whatever his name is. Uh, the, the the second foul, second yellow. I mean, just like stupid, stupid stuff. Uh, but partisan still getting uh, the result there. Uh, and I think the, the other highlight really is um, another red card. Uh, Lazio taking a, a red very, very early on. Uh, Patrick in the 15th minute. Um, and actually it was, I mean, it was, uh, I did tune into Galazzo for this one. Uh, and just your, your classic last man tackle. And, and yeah, probably got it right. I mean, I guess, you know, referees could go one way or the other, but he's not wrong by the letter of the law. Uh, but Lazio still pulling it out against uh, CFR Cluj. Yeah, uh, look, uh, they should beat Cluj. And I think to your point, if they're playing this game for 90 minutes uh, 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 with 11 guys, they win the game 3 4 nothing. Uh, nonetheless, they again, I want to say it's a comfortable victory, but you know, nonetheless, I, I don't think Cluj was ever all that close. And so uh, I think the worst part about this is it, you know, a couple of these red cards, as you said, what it really did is that it created a situation where eight games were played and seven of them had one goal or fewer. Yeah. It just ended up being kind of a very dead set of games. And a couple of these red cards are a reason why. Yeah, yeah, there you have it. Um, anything else on Conference League? Uh, no, I guess Fiorentina is, the, again, the only one who bucked the trend. Uh, mm. In the other seven games combined, there were six goals. And Fiorentina, on the road, mind you, at Braga, uh, a 4 nothing victory. So, out of all the teams, I would say, in really both the uh, Europa League and Conference League, Fiorentina looked like the one that was uh, most uh, enjoying themselves the most and, and had the most success. Yeah, um, and everyone's favorites and and prior uh, Champions League 
uh, appears, I guess, I don't know what the word is that you would use for them. Uh, but Karabag getting a 1-0 win, Trabzonspor getting a 1-0 win, and uh, Ludogorets getting a 1-0 win. Uh, we should mention Trabzonspor uh, for no other reason than this match, obviously, uh, did occur in Turkey. And uh, the the sound in that stadium, only 26,000 in attendance, but uh, it sounded like about 100,000 when they got that goal. And it was just one of those, you know, for all of Turkey kind of situations where obviously the sport is secondary, but after just the the, the couple of weeks and just to have at least one moment of, of that unadulterated joy, it was just, uh, it was a uh, definitely got the, uh, the bump, the goosebumps going in that one. So that was probably, if you didn't see that one, a highlight worth checking out. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And that same number of the attendance about, about the same number that the, uh, you know, death toll is and, and still rising as we said, and uh, just an absolute tragedy, man. Good God. Oh man. Um, well, uh, let, yeah, let's keep the, uh, the pain train going here. Um, our own goals of the day. I think you and I have, uh, uh, so, some good ones here, but that, that's going to do it for European nonsense. Uh, and yeah, let's get to our own goals of the day, the old tried and true. And as your uh, gracious podcast host, I will allow you to go first. Uh, yeah, I, I, we kind of addressed the Neymar thing. Right. Um, and look, uh, I'm not going to defend Neymar in any of this stuff, but I think we've reached kind of a point with, um, with what players do when they're not like at work that like people care way too much about. Uh, the, 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 all right, fine. I guess you're, if you're a professional athlete, maybe McDonald's isn't the right thing, but he also got in some hot water in this particular case because, uh, that night he like played poker or something, or maybe the next night he played poker and mm-hmm. I, uh, well, I think it was Gnabry and Byron a couple weeks ago. They got mad at him because they had a midweek game, and afterwards he went to Paris for like fashion week. It's just like, dude, like I don't care what these guys do when they're not like practicing or playing games, as long as they're not like committing crime and uh, and or I guess you know making themselves thirty pounds overweight. Like, uh, can we just let these people be human beings and go have fun when they're not at work? Like, why do we have to keep going down? So my own goal is really the people that care about this. Ah, okay. Uh, so, Jared, you're saying that, um, you know, a, a citizen's private life is, is really not the business of, of other people. Is that I think I don't think that Serge Gnabry plays a worse soccer game on Saturday because he goes to like a fashion show on Wednesday night. Um, and, and I think that we, we spend a lot of time, uh, you know, in theory, caring about mental health. Right. And we talk about how guys have good health and, and take care of themselves, not only their body. And I think part of that has to be that these guys who train all the time, who are playing all the time, are under immense pressure, want to go and like fucking like just do something that relaxes them. And just as we on Saturday watch our teams play because we want to do something to relax us from our nine to five on Monday to Friday, like these guys should be entitled to that. And it shouldn't be on the fucking newspaper that like fucking Neymar plays poker when he's not like playing soccer. Like that's not a threat to anybody or Gnabry going to fashion week or, or this guy, you know, or, you know, God, like the, the Marcus Ratchford shit, right? Oh, he's, why is he doing charity? Like fuck off. Like just let these guys like actually do other things because maybe they won't all retire from like soccer at the age of like 29 because they're over it. Like, we, how many times have we heard Neymar being like, I don't know how much longer I can do this. Maybe if uh, he felt like more at peace, like he would play longer and that would be better for soccer. <laughs> Yeah, and especially him, by by all accounts, you know, we've heard obviously the Brazilian Jogo Benita, and and he plays better when he when he enjoys it, you know, as as footballers should be allowed to, and like you can't enjoy it if there's all that other garbage surrounding it. And it's just again, like you want to tell me the guy shouldn't be eating McDonald's? All right, fine, I get that because your body, you know, your body does need to be a certain way to be really good, so on and so forth. But the other stuff is just like let these guys actually just be human beings for five seconds, and like it's like it's okay, like they will we'll all be all right. 
Yeah, yeah, it's asking a little too much, though, Jared. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm with you, man. The mental health part and, and just letting these guys live their lives. Uh, but we can't do it. That's the world that we live in. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on a downer here as well. Uh, my own goal today, uh, although there is some positivity to it, um, you may or may not have heard that in a, a bunch of the lower leagues, like grassroots English leagues, um, referee body cameras uh, are going to be trialed. Um, a recent report has come out, uh, a survey of almost a thousand referees uh, in those lower levels. And the, the numbers are just absolutely staggering. The amount of them that have been ver- not just verbally, I mean, the verbal one I kind of expected, um, but like the physical abuse, I mean, almost a third of these guys are getting, these guys and gals are getting physically abused uh, in the games, whether it's, you know, being uh, uh, hit by a player or spit on by a fan, uh, just all that unacceptable stuff. Um, And for us to have had to get to this point, uh, that's my own goal today. I mean, good on them for doing the body cameras to keep people accountable and try and deter this stuff. And then also, uh, you know, punish those who actually do it. That's all great stuff. Uh, but but the fact that we have gotten to this point, and, and I've alluded to this before about at the youth soccer level, like it's just bad, man. It's bad because like we need these guys and gals to play. Uh, but yet, you know, the parents continue to yell at them. The players continue to disrespect them. And, you know, before you know it, yeah, what do you know? Like, we're not going to have referees and then just not be able to play the games. And that will be all your fucking fault. You know, no one to look at except for yourself. Um, so, again, good on them for, you know, installing the body cameras and hopefully that changes stuff up. Uh, but, yeah, major own goal of the day for the reason that we got there. And I think that to your point, and, and I think the worst part is, is that I don't know that this is really going to change anything, right? Yeah. I, I know Brazil is the most famous one where we see these games that are like televised and like look at the violence towards these officials. And and so, you know, even when like forgetting a body camera for a second, these things are on TV and this still happens. It's not like – uh, you know, it's, it's not like just, oh, because it's a, a Premier League match that nobody accosts an official or, or because it's in, you know, the Russian Premier League, everyone treats it's like, no, these guys, the, the referees get abused there, too. So I just beyond that, I, I just don't know how much it'll even work. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. I mean, when you when you're starting to take a page out of, you know, American police department's playbooks, that that's when, you know, it's gotten bad. Very, very, very bad. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, well, yeah, two downers. Uh, uh, but let's let's put the the emergency brake. I'm pulling the e-brake on the pain train there uh, and wrapping it up on a positive note, as we are wont to do. We're officially here in stoppage time, so it is time for our stoppage time uh, winners. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go first and, and kind of, you know, flip the perspective here, a little bit of spin zone uh, instead of hyper-focusing on the negative thing. Uh, let's let's hyper-focus on the positive thing. Uh, we remember a few weeks back, uh, and we reported it here on this pod, uh, there was a Spurs supporter, a thir- 30-something guy um, who struck Aaron Ramsdale after the North London Derby uh, when they played that fixture, uh, what was it, you know, a few weeks back at this point. Um, but yes, he has been uh, charged and found guilty uh, and sentenced. Uh, And off the top of my head, uh, I don't exactly remember if I can pull up the athletic article as quickly as I can. Although, uh, no, it's going to take too long. Um, But I know he's like, he has to pay like a $130 fine (laughs) to Aaron Ramsdale, which I find hilarious, first of all. Um, But then also he is banned from all UK stadiums uh, for the next four years. And that's the positive spin that I'm going to focus on. uh, Because again, you just have to hold these idiots accountable. There was absolutely no place for it. Uh, And yeah, the guy comes out and obviously it's one of those, like, would he is, 
is he really sorry or is he just sorry that he got caught type of thing? Uh, but, you know, he apologizes, remorseful, all that stuff. I don't know, maybe Russia blood to the head, but it's not excusing it. It's not condoning it all. Uh, and, and I just wish adults could fucking uh, behave correctly these days. Uh, but but anyways, uh, yes, the hammer has been brought down as far as I'm concerned, because, yeah, the guy can't step foot in a stadium for four years. So that is my stoppage time winner, because I'm very happy about that. Yeah, it's, it's the right move. I think four years is probably right. I think when we talk about the amount of time, of course, the inherent problem with that is, is that like somebody's going to be racist and get like six weeks. And so that'll be, okay. you know, um, unfortunate. But I, I think four years, is a, it gives him enough time to think about what he's done. Uh, yes, I would say so. And, and right. And I don't want to be draconian uh, and, and like lifetime ban, throw the guy in jail like that. That would just be an overreaction, I think, for sure. Uh, again, still no excuses for it. Uh, but I think that the punishment has to fit the crime. And, and that one did. Uh, but anyways, um, that's my stoppage time winner. Jared, what is yours? I'm going to go back to a little MLS and uh, most of the teams uh, starting to release, uh, new, you know, kind of their new jerseys for the year. And uh, some have opined that this might be a result of like the Apple deal and Apple getting involved and being like, yo, maybe we don't want like 25 MLS clubs to all look the same anymore. <laughs> right. Uh, but we have a lot of uh, teams coming out with some some pretty uh, dynamic, uh, aggressive, I would dare I say, like Jersey kind of choices. Uh, and I think that when you do that, obviously, there's going to be, you know, some good and, and some, you know, not as good. But I, I actually I've looked at a lot of them. I do think a lot of them are actually pretty cool looking. Uh, I think it's uh, it's a right move. I think it might inspire, uh, you know, maybe like, not, you know, fans that are or people that aren't necessarily big fans of the team or or maybe are from a city that don't necessarily have a relationship to like kind of see like a really cool uh, looking jersey uh you know and, and maybe buy one i know like seattle kind of went with like a bruce lee kind of dragon motif uh dc kind of incorporated the cherry blossoms uh you know the red bulls uh, kind of goes the new jersey state flag a little bit though it's kind of like a yellow and a blue which is odd for the red bulls but nonetheless so i think that these teams are kind of like stepping outside of a comfort zone a little bit mm-hmm. and creating something that looks different and, and less cookie cutter and i think that it's it, it, you know as, as you know as superficial as it may be i think it's one of those like good steps where it's like hey you can actually get some people to to buy your stuff that looks pretty cool uh that can become like a fashion kind of thing because soccer jerseys can be and uh, maybe you drum up a little bit of extra attention and it's not in a bad way and so uh you know not that i wasn't excited already but i kind of do look forward to to seeing the teams in action and seeing some of these shirts and seeing them in person and so on so i think a, a positive step by the league because they need uh you know any good publicity they can get certainly to try and make inroads and i think this will do it a little bit yeah, hundred percent. And and speaking of which, uh, making you know positive waves in the soccer world. Uh, I mean, let's let's give credit to the MLS. Everyone is looking towards them after all these VAR debacles, whether it's in the Prem or European competitions, and everyone's looking at MLS and using them as actually like the standard bearer for it in in some ways, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, look, there's the things that they do well, they do well. And of course, as we've talked about, there's a lot of things they do uh, quite poorly. But uh, I think, again, if you want to, you know, we talked about this, this Apple deal, is this going to really help them reach new people? Well, maybe not. But again, if you're, you know, if you're in the Dick Sporting Goods in D.C. and you see the the D.C. United kind of uh, flower blossom uh, situation, then, you know, you very well might um you know, pick that up and maybe that draws you in. And so again, every, every little bit helps. And again, if you can have a, a decent on the field product without bar issues, then I think it might get a soccer fan to watch and, and stay watching. So uh, again, only, only good, as I said, we're what nine days away, eight days away from the season starting. So, uh, you know, get excited, pick your team and, and, and get on board. All right. There you have it. Uh, and at that very moment, Jared, the referee has 
put their whistle to their mouth, pointed to the center circle and blown for full time. Uh, I'm going to kick it back to chat GPT actually here. Uh, and then we can close it out uh, as we normally do uh, write a funny closing statement for a soccer podcast. And that's a wrap for this episode of soccer shenanigans. We hope you enjoyed our expert analysis of the beautiful game, as well as our not so expert commentary on everything from bad haircuts to questionable goal celebrations. Okay. So chat GPT actually like listens to our podcast. Yeah, uh, the only thing he didn't say was cunty haircut. Uh, other than that, he had oh my god. Okay, yeah, I'm reading this live and for the first time, and I'm just as terrified as the New York Times reporter who did the Bing one. Uh, remember, soccer is more than just a sport. It's a way of life. A way of tripping over your own feet, shouting at the TV, and feeling the agony of defeat, or the ecstasy of victory, if you're lucky. So whether you're a diehard fan or just a casual observer, thanks for tuning in. And always remember, the only thing better than scoring your goal is celebrating like you just won the lottery. Go forth, kick some grass, and we'll see you next time on Soccer Shenanigans. Does that mean this thing's a, a Bayer Leverkusen fan after tripping over your own feet? Right. <laughs> it could be. Uh, but I'm still shook from that first line right there. Uh, that's like literally exactly what we do. And it nailed it spot on. So... Wow. All right. Our AI overlords, I bow down to you. Um, but yeah, uh, to you, Jared, I appreciate the time, the insight, and of course, the banter. And to uh, all of you, the traveling supporters, uh, thank you so much uh, for listening. Um, yeah, we may or may not be here next time. I don't know. Maybe AI will just take over this thing. Uh, but either way, until next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> He's our striker, he's on fire. Ooh, hot, hotter than Mitrovic. Scoring goals home and away. He's playing from the ticks and he's on fire. Grand talk was a catastrophe. He just wouldn't go away. Oh, and then Will Drake turned it round. Cost us one million pound. Whoa, I said Will Grigg turned it round, cost us one million pounds. Will Grigg is on fire, come on now, Will Grigg is on fire.